0: Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help you welcome Jessica Shureleff. Jessica is an effective storyteller and a passionate people-first leader. Jesse spent 13 and a half years at Google, effectively building and leading strong sales and marketing teams, partnering with some of the largest global brands in the world. Creating, building, and maintaining relationships is at the core of who she is, And authenticity, vulnerability, and storytelling have been the cornerstones of her skill set to get her to where she is today as a leader, a podcaster, and a mom. Jessie has been the keynote speaker at Google, Instacart, The Forum, as well as spoken on numerous podcasts Uh, Mom is in Control, Mimosas with Mom, Own Your Truth, Mindful Fire, and many more about the topic of authentic leadership, infertility, storytelling, and owning your own truth. Her passion is working with female leaders and women-led businesses, helping them reclaim their voice and amplify it in an authentic and proven way, both personally and professionally. Her mission is to create community and connection through sharing personal stories to empower individuals and brands to step into their own light, reclaim their voice, and drive greater impact. Jesse, welcome to the show.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. 13 years at Google. Holy Toledo.
1: 13 years at Google. It still blows my mind sometimes.
0: Is the campus really, I mean, everybody has this image of Google just being the, you know, kind of like a uh, Willy Wonka, right? Just the fun place <laughs> to, to do things. Is is it really that way?
1: So Mountain View Campus is awesome. It, you know, lots of buildings with micro kitchens filled with like these amazing snacks and game rooms, and it was an amazing place to start and, and you know, I don't want to say end my career, it wasn't ending my right. career, but <laughs> ending my corporate career. And it was also still a job. So, you know, there's, there's that aspect of it, but it really, really was amazing. And I was fortunate to have traveled to, gosh, I've never really counted, but numerous offices, New York, India, um, both, you know, within the United States and outside the United States. And nice. it's, it's a fun, it's a fun
0: place. Sure. Man, that must have been awesome. All right. I want to talk about that, plus a lot more. You've got so much stuff going on, and I really want to unpack everything. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Now, listeners know these are the questions from the TV show Inside the Actors Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figured if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Jesse, if you're ready, I've got 10 questions for you. Hit me with them. Question number one, what is your favorite word?
1: My favorite word is curiosity. Nice.
0: What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on?
1: Uh, Being able to get very real and vulnerable very quickly with people.
0: Nice. What turns you off?
1: Small talk.
0: (laughs) What sound or noise do you love?
1: Oh, that's a good question. This is such a cliche, cliche answer as a mom, but the sounds of my kids' voices.
0: What sound or noise do you hate?
1: Nails on a chalkboard, still. <laughs> Years, I don't even know if they have chalkboards in school really anymore, yeah. <laughs> but still. Ugh.
0: Exactly. Um, what is your favorite curse word?
1: Uh, autocorrect always changes it to duck.
0: Perfect. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, (laughs) What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Mm, I like this question. You know, I thought I was going to go into the medical field. So something, something medically related. Nice.
0: What profession would you not like to do?
1: Teaching. I don't think teachers get enough credit for the work that they do.
0: Yeah, they definitely don't get enough credit. All right. Final question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. Welcome. Okay. Yeah, anything short of that would be concerning, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> Very cool. All right, um, we're gonna come back, talk about how you got your start, how you, what brought you to where you are now and uh, who you help and how you help them. And then at some point, we're gonna talk about uh, courage and leadership.
1: I'm excited.
0: Okay. Awesome. All right, listeners, we'll be talking about that well, you don't have to imagine any more. You can have that and more when you join my business success mastermind group. Join my business success mastermind group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Jessica Sherlock. Jesse, thanks again for taking time out of your day as a busy mom and a, a busy career person. Um, so yeah, 13 years of Google, that that sounds like it was fun. But it—you had a transition point, a pivot point that kind of set everything up for you. Now, just to kind of set up the uh, the story, you were thirty-three, mm-hmm. right? You had what looked like, at least on the outside, as the perfect job, the perfect life. You had a great husband, two kids, successful career at Google, beautiful house in Chicago. Everything was great. Um, and then your husband asked you a question. Take yeah. it from there. What happened?
1: So. There was one morning I was standing in front of our double vanity sink in our in our master bathroom and I had my electric toothbrush in my hand and my husband just happened to glance over at me and ask me a question that he's asked me thousands of times in our relationship. And he asked me, are you happy? And for some reason that morning, the truth blurted out of my mouth, which was no. Mm-hmm. And that answer scared him it scared me. And I remember glancing at the clock. We had this little clock in our in our bathroom to buy some time. It was 6.03 in the morning. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I can backpedal and like make a joke of it and just be like, oh, I'm not a morning person. Or I can own for probably the first time in a very long time in my adult life, the truth and admit that despite having Everything that I'd always wanted—you know, a very successful career at Google, um, you know, two amazing little humans who I'd fought so hard to have, um, this beautiful house, like a very supportive partner—I wasn't happy, and so that was the the path that I took. I, I stuck to my guns, and I realized in that moment that I had lost my voice. Like I lost who I was. I was living for, you know, everybody else, but like who was Jesse in that moment? I, I like I couldn't answer you. Mm-hmm. And so I stuck to my guns and I I went down that path and you know it, it held true to know I was not happy, even though I know it made my husband super uncomfortable, it made me really uncomfortable. And the journey it has taken me on over the last three plus years has been, you know, so rewarding and hard and everything in between. Um, and I'm really grateful for that moment at six or three in the morning.
0: That, my wife and I ask each other all the time, right? We have our three questions. Uh, do you love me? Are you happy? Do you want to stay? And at any time, if any one of those is, I'm not sure or no, then let's sit down and talk about it. So I understand kind of the ask of the question, but just a, a flat, no, I'm not happy. That had to have been scary.
1: Yeah. I can't even imagine.
0: Wow. Um how do you how did you how do you feel you lost your voice? How did that happen?
1: I think that, you know, the way that I was raised was you got good grades. You went to the good college. You got the good job. You, you know, it's interesting. I think I'm technically a millennial, like on the cusp of being a millennial or not, but it it was really, it's rare for, you know, I think people within my generation to stay at a company as long as I did, you know, most of my friends would stay two years somewhere and then pivot. Um, but I was always able to sort of find my next, my next career at Google um, or within within the same organization. And so in so many ways, I think it was just ingrained in me from very early on, like stability, financial stability, um, stability for your family. And um, there's lots of, you know, as I've unpacked, there's lots of reasons for that. But, you know, I think that it just was like, I was putting one step in front of another in order to just survive and i think so many of us have their versions of that and for me it was that 603 moment where i was able to sort of like you know lift my head above water and and be like is this is this like i fought so hard for all of this but it's not making me happy and now now what do i do with that
0: and so what did you do
1: i got help (laughs) um i i went back to therapy i uh started seeing a coach And I started to get curious with myself and with those around me and really start to ask myself some of the the harder questions, which seem so simple. Like, you know, are you happy? And what is it that you need? And, you know, what are you avoiding? And as I started to ask myself those, like, what dreams do you have? Like the first time somebody asked me, you know, write down 50 of your dreams. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Um, and so it was just, you know, creating that space in order to be curious with myself and those around me really helped me to start to think about like, okay, like who am I without all of the labels? Who am I as just Jesse, not as a mom, not as a partner, not as a Googler, um, is that who I want to be? And like, am I proud of that person? And you know, what, what comes next?
0: And I, I think you're right. A lot of people, men and women, I think kind of lose themselves, right? Trying to be all these other roles. Is that where that, that feeling of imposter syndrome kind of comes in? Is that you're trying to be too many things rather than just being the authentic you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, that was definitely part of it. it was. It's always really interesting. Like I think back on that time in my life and people always ask me like, or always say to me, like, but you were always so confident, right? Like, I think people think imposter syndrome, and they think someone who's like not confident. And the reality was, is like, I was really confident in my work life. So, like this, like life I had created professionally, because it's where I felt like I was excelling. Like I knew it, I could control it. And in my personal life, I felt like I was like floundering, right? Like motherhood is hard. Parenthood is hard. Um, you know, being married is hard, like all of these things, right. Like that you couldn't control. And so I think in a lot of ways, like how, how it manifested for me and and imposter syndrome is, you know, I built up a wall. Like I just became numb to a lot of things, Mm -hmm. like the good feelings and the bad feelings. And so for me, imposter syndrome actually like benefited me from a a career perspective, from a personal perspective, but it made it worse for me in personal life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so many people, like you said, just kind of put that on hold because they're trying to be so many things for other people or we're looking to to be what is needed for others, mm-hmm. and not really taking care of ourselves. Exactly. Um, and you struggle with infertility too, right? Because I know that's one of the topics you talk about quite a bit.
1: Yeah. So... um both my children are IVF babies. I approached, you know, becoming a mom, like everything else I did in life and just sort of assumed it would happen, you know, easily and without hassle. And that was not the case for us. Um, and we ended up, my, my oldest daughter is actually a twin. And we lost my son when we were in, uh, when I was pregnant with him in, in our second trimester. And it was the first time in my adult life where things didn't come easy for me and i had this moment of you know what do i do and like where how do i move on from here and because at that time in my life, I just compartmentalized it. I shoved it down. Um, I lost my son and I actually was on a plane three days later for work. Like I just compartmentalized it. Wow. And so I think part of that 603 moment was sort of a bubbling up of a lot of things that I just shoved down and not wanted to deal with. And in dealing with it and it and, and starting to talk about, you know, my infertility journey, it really has opened my eyes to, you know, as you're able to share a bit of your story, even if it's just like a small portion of it, right? It allows the person talking to you to also take down their mask. And to me, that's where true connection comes in. And right. it's made me a, such a more empathetic and authentic leader, um, professionally, personally. Um, it's made me a better podcaster. And like I said, like you said in my bio, it's also made me a better mom because yeah. we're all human.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, so now you found your voice, you started unpacking these things, kind of dealing with them and sharing, and that does open doors, right? It opens up for people to where they can start sharing themselves. So tell me about who who you work with and how you help them.
1: Yeah. So I work with mainly women in corporate, typically on the tech side, in the tech space, since that's where a lot of my network lies. And I've, I've was obviously in that space for as long as I have, but really working with women who are you know at a point both personally or professionally where they've realized that you know they've been treading water for so long and they're ready for a change they just don't know where to go next and so really helping these women to reclaim their voices and speak their truths in a way that feels authentic to them sometimes that means a pivot in their career sometimes that means um you know having those hard conversations, both personally or professionally, it's really about creating that space for so many women in corporate who are just sort of putting their, again, one foot in front of another because so many of us have been there yeah. and giving them the space and, and helping them get curious and asking like, what is it that I need? And what, what does that look like? What are the steps that I need to take to, to get there?
0: Yeah. And authenticity can be scary for some people.
1: One hundred percent. It was terrifying for me at first. Terrifying. I remember the first time I stood up um, in front of my team and told them a bit of my infertility story. I was like literally shaking. Um, even though I've been in sales for my entire career, I talk in front of hundreds of people. But you know, really sharing a piece of you is scary. It's hard. But what was what always sticks with me is in that. Moment when I shared, I had so many people come up to me afterwards and say, "Like I've experienced infertility too, and I, like I don't know where to turn to," yeah. or someone else had actually his wife had experienced a very similar situation to what me and my husband had, um, or even people I've known for years, and they were like, "We had no idea. Like, thank you for sharing that. Like, I haven't experienced that, but it it shed light on like what it's like to be, you know, a leader." at our company, like dealing with this. And so it's those moments of like me too, that really were my aha moment of like, we've all had these moments where we felt alone or isolated. And while it is really scary, um, you know, it takes courage, you know, to, it takes courage to to share your story um, and speak your truth. But for me, I realized it was, um, better to to let it out than keep it bottled in because keeping it bottled in was doing me and my family a huge disservice.
0: Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's it's hard. Everybody thinks, well, I, I can't really share that. It's too personal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there really? I mean, I, I guess there are some things that you probably wouldn't, you know, talk about. But it seems like when you can get to that personal level and say, "Hey, I'm afraid too. Hey, I struggle too. You know, hey, I I I fell down multiple times and got back up." It, it endears people to you and they feel they can be honest with you too because you know you've kind of reached that that level
1: yeah I mean I, I I couldn't agree more. I think that um you know when I think about the leaders that I've had in my life that I look up to, it's the leaders that are human that admit when they're wrong, they say I'm sorry, they say thank you, they say please like it's this seems like, bare bones things, but I've had plenty of leaders that have not done any of those things. And I think about that from a parenthood perspective too. Right. And um, I think so often we think parents and leaders are in this position of authority. So they don't have to, you know, they can't admit when things are wrong or they can't, um, admit that they're human and they make mistakes or, um, you know, take that time to build that trust. But for me, that is, that is like the core of, of not only leadership, but just being a human is like being able to create those connections and to your earlier, you know, question of like things being too personal, you know, I, for me, I go back to like, I have boundaries. So, You know, there are certain things that I'm not comfortable sharing. And it's typically things that I've not yet worked through or are currently working through and are not comfortable sharing. And those boundaries are going to be different for each of us. And and that's okay. And, but I think it's, you know, being able to, if you use the onion metaphor, right? Like Mm -hmm. peel, peel like at least one layer um, away that does a huge step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and I think you do have to take it slowly. You can't just open it up all the way and say, "Here I am," right? Because that that can be that can be scary. But I think leaders a lot of times they think they have to be the smartest person in the room. They have to have all the answers. They have to be most confident. And a lot of times you can they just feel plastic. They don't feel real. Mm-hmm. I like it when a leader can say, "You know what? I'm I don't know what to do," you know? Or they say, "I I'm a little concerned about this, just like you guys are, but we'll get through it. Right. Cause then, you know, that they're, they're human too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I had a, there was a VP that I worked with at Google and I remember him sharing a, a sign. I actually still have it in um, like Buster right next to me, but it's like what great leaders say. And then it's like a spider of like different things. And it's like, please thank you. Like, I'm sorry. And to me, I, It's like faded and years old at this point, but it's, it's a reminder that like, as leaders, we're humans. And I think that you get a lot further from a connection standpoint with people when you admit that, um, And say like, I don't have all the answers, but, you know, I'm willing, like I'm committed to figuring it out and I'd love your perspective on this, right? Like inviting people in and bringing them to the table too, I think also allows, you know, the opportunity to recognize that, you know, there are things that I'm really great at, but there's also things I'm not great at. And so how do I balance that out?
0: Sure. Absolutely. So tell me about your podcast. This is my truth,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. So my podcast is called, This Is My Truth. I launched it in March, 2020, as the world was falling apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And the goal is really to create community and connection through sharing personal stories, because going back to what we were talking about earlier, as I started to share my own story and so many people said, me too, that was my aha, right? Like How many of us are sitting thinking that I'm the only person who's experienced this? And granted... All of our experiences are uniquely our own, but I've yet to have a conversation with somebody who, you know, in speaking to them, I'm not like I've experienced that, or I have felt that before, like, while I've not, you know, been in that person's shoes, it is. You know there's always that common thread that you can that you can pull through and i think in today's world it's so decisive there's there's so much polarization on either side and being able to mm-hmm. be genuinely curious about the other person on the other side of you know the conversation sure. and understand their experiences like that's how I learn. That's how I, I grow as a, a, again, as like a mom, a leader and a podcaster. And Mm so the podcast is all about giving space for uh, people to, to share their truths.
0: Nice. And so you interview guests. I do.
1: Yeah. So I, I I interview guests and then I also, um, every, so I release every other week, um, a podcast that is just me talking about, you know, one of my own truths. And then every other week is a guest conversation.
0: Nice. Do you have one that conversation that sticks out?
1: Oh my God. That's such a good question. I have so many that stick out. I mean, I've had people on the podcast who, you know, who have never spoken about certain things in, you know, before publicly. So I had a woman come on um, and talk about abortions that she had had. She'd had three abortions. It was the first time she'd ever spoke publicly. This is well before you know things going on politically in, in our country. I've had people come on and, you know, talk about, abuses that they have endured both physically and emotionally in the workplace and, and not to be honest, I know this sounds like a cliche answer too, but like every conversation that I've had has a, has a place in my heart because the way that I've created the podcast, like people are, are telling like their most vulnerable stories and I'm just so grateful for that, um, I remember when I launched the podcast, I looked at my husband and I was like, "Am I like, are people going to want to talk to me?" <laughs> this is like the world's shortest podcast run, um, and it's I I've been blown away by the people willing and able to to share some of the hardest points in their life.
0: Well, to create that that safe space where they can come in and say, you know what, I feel comfortable enough to to talk about this. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I feel really grateful.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So, which brings me to courage. Um, We talk about different types of courage, right? Uh, Intellectual courage is a courage to to be able to set aside your long-held beliefs and the knowledge you have to make room for new knowledge. Um, Empathetic courage to be able to set aside your emotions to make room for somebody else's emotions, right? Kind of put yourself down with them. Um, And of course there's, I mean, there's physical courage, there's, you know, uh, social courage, spiritual courage, is there a type of courage that maybe you had to had to tap into to get to where you are?
1: I would say the courage that was hardest for me to lean into was um, like the social and moral moral courage, right? That that ability to sort of um, speak up and state your truth, even though people around you might not be comfortable with that. Right. Um, for me, I was raised in a way where we didn't talk about emotions. We didn't talk about hard things. Yeah. Um, and it, it has taken me a long time. And quite frankly, I think it became becoming a mom and recognizing that, um, one of my, my daughters is neurodiverse. And so I ha- held a lot around mm-hmm. judgment, judgment, like people judging me right. for parenting, for, um, my beliefs for not speaking up. And there's been so many, I think about so many moments in my life where I like grinded my teeth and I didn't speak up. And, um, now looking back, I understand why, but it's, that's not who I want my daughters to be. And therefore I had to to learn how to overcome that and, you know, lean into uncomfortable conversations, whether they be political or social or, you know, even at work, right? Like as a woman, I often was walking into meetings where I was the youngest and only female um, in at, at, the, at the board table. And so really, you know, leaning into those like moments that I call like the, the grinding teeth moment of like, mm-hmm. I want to speak up, but I can't. And yeah. learning how to do so has been a huge learning curve for me.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, so where did you get your courage? You know, everybody has to, to find courage or, or they see courage displayed. They think, wow, you know, I, I wish I could step up and, and be that person. Where did you find your courage?
1: In my, in my daughters, a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And becoming a mom and recognizing that I wanted to break, you know, generational patterns of like a lack of courage, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, it was in my daughters and, and recognizing the, the humans that I want them to become. It gave me the courage to become the person that I, I want them to, to be able to look up to and nice. see.
0: Moms are kind of superhuman. in the first place i think i mean you know um i used to travel all the time with work right on a plane every monday and every friday and you see these people come on board the plane they put their stuff up in the overhead and then you see the mom coming down the aisle she's carrying one baby and a suitcase and her purse or computer bag and the diaper bag and just superhuman (laughs) i don't i don't see how they do it that is awesome um what about leadership? What do you look for in a leader? Really good
1: question. So in the 13 and a half years that I was Google had over 18 managers. Mm. And so I feel like I've had a, a, a wide variety of exposure um, and being in sales, you often have leaders who are really good salespeople or really good people managers and very few that are both uh, good people managers and sales managers. So I really strove to be that that middle ground of both a really awesome sales manager, but also a really awesome people manager. So for me, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like to me, the leaders that I look up to are the ones who you know can be authentic, can be vulnerable, can admit that they're human, um, and also are able to you know have the conversations with their team and understand the strengths of of the people on their team and understand where those people are going and help to get them to where they are going. Um, and, and be their cheerleader in doing so. Yeah.
0: Anybody in particular stand out?
1: Um, Yeah. So my last, uh, leader at Google that I reported into, her name is Kristen Johansson. Um, she's no longer at Google. She actually is over at LinkedIn now. She, her and I've known each other for many, many years, but she is like just one of those, you know, she's cried in meetings with me. I've cried in meetings with her. Um, not just even one-on-ones like the, the culture that she created on our leadership team was just one where we all, Uh, supported each other, even when we didn't agree with each other. And I think that is so, so important.
0: Nice. Very cool. Um, And during your career at Google, how many did you have folks reporting to you?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Awesome. If I was to bump into any of those folks and ask them what type of leader you are or were, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you?
1: You should check out my, my LinkedIn profile. It's, it's, um, you know, I honestly think that they would all say that I was somebody or in somebody who really is curious to understand who they are both as a googler but as a as a person, right? Like I think that there's understanding where someone wants to go within the company, but then also understanding where the person wants to go as a as a human. Um, and that I did everything I could to cheerlead and champion our team. Um, the last team that I led we went through two reorgs in a span of of 18 months, which the running joke at Google is the only constant at Google is change. Um, But, you know, I had a lot of new people on my team. We're also in the pandemic and, um, you know, we were bringing on a new director and, you know, the team was nervous. And so I think that anyone on my team who you would bump into would say that, I really do lead with and truly believe in empathy and vulnerability um, and curiosity as as kind of the, the cornerstones of my leadership style.
0: Nice. Those are great traits. That's perfect. So what's next for you?
1: A really good question. Um, so I coach women and I love that. And, you know, to go back to, you know, my favorite word being curious. So I, I left Google in January of 2021. I took what I was joking as my gap year. Um, and, you know, tried my hand at being a stay at home mom. I love my children dearly, but I am not cut out to be a stay at home mom. I think any stay at home mom out there is like deserves all of the accolades and awards and everything in between. Yeah. Um, but when I really, again, gave myself the space to ask sort of what it was that I wanted, I was looking for flexibility. I was looking for impact. I was looking for the ability to lead a team again. And so I'm actually headed back into corporate. Um, okay. Yeah. This is hot off the press. Um, <laughs> just signed a, the, the offer letter and I'll be leading the North America mid-market sales team at Uber. And nice. I am am cool. really excited to, to get back. And to me, it really feels like headed back into corporate on my terms Excellent. versus, you know, prior to what we were talking about earlier, like just feeling like I was putting one foot in front of another okay. and just sort of, I knew that path that I had at Google, but this, very much feels like I took the pause. I was really intentional about what I was looking for and I'm headed back on my terms.
0: Nice. Different perspective. Eyes open. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Very cool. Well, good luck. I hope that works out for you. Any, any books or anything in the works? Uh,
1: I wish I, I, it's so funny. People are always like, you need to write a book. Um, I do have an idea of a book. um, So maybe. Yeah. I've always me. thought about
0: the the podcast. You know, you get so many great stories from the yes. podcast. I thought wouldn't it be cool to kind of compile all those, you know, about the different types of courage and where people found the courage and stuff? You probably have a lot of great stories, too. Exactly. Not that you would want to share necessarily something that somebody told you, you know, in confidence, but just the idea of how you find your authentic voice and what that means and and what that does for you in your career,
1: you know, yeah. I mean, I think that all of us, right? Like the lessons that we've learned in life. Um, you know, often when I was going through my infertility journey, I kept asking myself, like, why be? Like why why? Right. And I think all of us have those moments where part of it was a pity party, I'll be honest. But then part of it was like, you know, why? And you know, looking back on it now, it took me a while to get there, but I think that, you know, I had to go through that journey in order to become the mom and the leader and the human that I am now. Um, and I think we all have those moments.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's not always fun going through it, but you come out the other side and you go, wow, why didn't I do this before? Right.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. Very cool. So Jesse, if people want to learn more about you, um, how can they do that? What's your website?
1: Yeah. So they can find me on my website, which is jessysherlef.com. Okay. I also hang out on LinkedIn, which you can find me at Jess Sherlef. Um, I'm also on Instagram at This Is My Truth Podcast. And then I also release episodes every Thursday um, on all major podcast platforms. And again, the podcast is This Is My Truth. This is my
0: truth. Excellent. Very cool. Jesse, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing.
1: Coach Harlan, thank you so much. I love this conversation. I love all things courage. So thank you for giving me the courage to have this conversation. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. No, it was great. And listeners, hope you guys were taking a lot of good notes, a lot of good information here. Uh, Definitely check out the podcast, This Is My Truth, available on all the platforms and uh, Yes. Very cool. All right. And share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.